I don't know if you got the words to that song, but uh, we could close it right here, and we would have received that message. But you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, you nasty people. I see a couple of you thinking you'll... <laughs> oh, it's just great to be together and to celebrate like we are, and it's great to have friends and family join us for this time and the wonderful experience of Easter and the joy and the hopefulness that is ours. And um, I I trust that uh, some of you, uh, a lot of you were able to be with us on Good Friday and uh, just a wonderful time we had in reliving the the, resur- the, the death of Christ, and uh, thank you to all of you who participated in that to help us um, really get that. You know, hope is the kind of thing that uh, is motivating in our life. It, it gives us a sense of optimism. It, it energizes us when we're hopeful, when we believe something can happen and something can be done. I had to tell a, a tale on, on one of my granddaughters who's in synchro, uh, synchro uh, I was going to say sw- swimming, synchronized, yeah, synchronized skating. So it's a whole gaggle of little girls, you know, doing their, their thing. And, and, uh, and so they, they finished their routine. And, uh, and they announced, the, the, uh, the announcer said, um, yes, and this club is in third place, and the girls went crazy, and they're clapping, and they're squealing, and jumping, and now, they were the third one to go, okay, but and they, they thought, well, wow, we're in third place, and as they went through the 10 or 12 teams, they were kind of, well, they were kind of down there, and one of the little girls said to another one, wow, I didn't see that coming, <laughs> and, and I thought, you know, life is like that, isn't it? You know, we, we do something and we're all jacked about it and happy about it. And then, uh, you know, we find out, I didn't see that coming. I, I didn't see that we veer off the road there. I didn't understand that something would happen like that. And that's life. That's life. And it can kill hope in us. Uh, a promising career but it ends. A a business failure, a marriage that you thought would last forever, and here you are now in the aftermath of a messy breakup, a medical diagnosis that destroys all your dreams, especially when you've tried and worked so hard, and, and and you just see that loved one, or it's you, and you just go down further and further. It's that addiction that has a stranglehold on you, the plans for having a family that never materialized. There was hope. We had hope, but. We, we, we thought it would happen, but, but. And that label gets put over a lot of experiences for a lot of us. We had hope, but. And sometimes hope can seem so elusive. Life doesn't work out the way that we thought it would have. And it can leave us devastated. So it was with the lot of Jesus' followers. Their allegiance to their Lord. Uh, their love for Him. They gave up everything 
so many of them, and to follow him. They, they gave up businesses, they gave up family they, to, tr- to follow him because they believed he was the Messiah. The future looked bright. We come off the high of Palm Sunday that we celebrated last week. That great, exciting, enthusiasm, ta- enthusiastic time where, where, where thousands upon thousands of people were declaring Jesus was their king. Hosanna in the highest. And, and uh, the joy and the excitement and the enthusiasm of all of that. But it would end up days later watching the, the wheels fall off the wagon and to see their Savior that they had pinned their hopes on now hanging on a cross and dying drop of blood by drop of blood. Things would come totally apart by Friday when they saw their Savior, their hero, the one that they had committed themselves to being lowered from the cross. They were left in disbelief, a dizzying fog of devastation. They'd pinned their hopes on him. They'd given everything only to watch him die on a cross. And now his lifeless body is being placed in a cold stone tomb. And his followers were distraught. The love that they had for him, the, it all seemed for naught. The commitment they had for him, the dream died and they're disoriented and they're confused. They've lost hope and they're despondent. And those loyal women who followed Jesus uh, come to that morning, uh, Sunday morning. And what they want to do in their pain and their sorrow is they want to come and, and perform some kind of dignity on the dead and decaying body of Jesus. And so they, they've collected spices. They want to anoint that body. And, and first thing in the morning, they get up and, and, and the tear stains still on their eyes. And they love Jesus so much. And they were so dedicated to him. And they were so brokenhearted. And they head for the tomb. And strangely, the tomb, the the stone was rolled away. And they looked in, and and, and there was no Jesus there. There were just those linen cloths laying where he had been. And then suddenly, there are a couple of angels, and and, uh, the angels say, you know, who are you looking for? Don't look for the living among the dead. You don't go to a cemetery to find living people. And for them, it, it was all over. They come uh, to do this, this kindness to Jesus, and he's not there. Looking for the living among the dead, he's risen, as he said. They give a, rebuke, a, a gentle rebuke. A gentle rebuke. You don't get it. You don't get it. He's not here. He's risen. Remember? Remember when he told you in Galilee what would happen? Remember he told you that he had to die? Remember he told you that he would rise the third day? And so they rushed to go and tell the disciples, and the disciples don't believe him either because, well, sorrow has a way of of helping us or, or, or detracting us from having this kind of hope. And they're confused and perplexed, and Peter runs to the grave and he looks in and doesn't find Jesus there. And I suppose that's really not a proof of anything in particular, except that he's not there. Somebody could have taken him. And Luke uh, provides for us an account that none of the other gospel writers do. 
And in Luke chapter 24 and verse 13, we have two of Jesus' disciples who on that Sunday are heading to Emmaus, uh, a, a town that's about seven miles from where they were. And as they're making this journey, they're, they're, they're in disbelief and they're talking about the events that had happened with Jesus and, and they're just going over it and over it as they walk along. And as they, as they walk along, Jesus comes and joins them. And they're talking and he said, uh, you know, guys, what are you talking about? And, and they, they stop, they stand still. And, and one of them named Cleopas asked him, duh, are you only a visitor here and don't know what's been going on? Did you not see the front page of the Jerusalem Herald? Did you not realize that Jesus was here, Jesus of Nazareth, this, this outstanding leader, he was our Messiah, and now he's dead? Don't you get that, stranger? And they stood still, and their faces were downcast. Jesus said, what things are you talking about? Well, the chief priests killed this man. The Romans did. The the chief priests promoted that. But we had hoped that he was the one. Did you get that? But. We, we thought the Messiah was there. We'd hoped, but. We, we thought the one who was going to redeem Israel, and what's more is, it's the third day. And some of our women said that he's not in the grave. And, and they're confused, and they're broken. And they didn't find his body. And, and, and they heard a vision from angels that said he was alive. But some of our companions went to the tomb. Women. And they didn't see him. And Jesus now speaks. He speaks a word of rebuke for them. Jesus had kept them from recognizing him. Kept them from knowing. Kept them from seeing at this point in time. To see accurately, we need God's help. You can be here, you can, you can try and understand all of this stuff, you can try and understand Jesus, but you can't understand Jesus without a revelation of Jesus to you. He's got to open your eyes, he's got to open your understanding, and here as they're going on, they don't even realize that this is Jesus with them, walking along with them. You know, Jesus is here. He is present here by his Spirit. You may not be aware of that. You may not perceive that. You may not understand that or recognize that. But he's here. And and listen to the rebuke. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all the prophets had spoken. You guys, what's the matter with you? Don't you know what the prophets said? He goes on to say, Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And at the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I would have loved to have been there for that discourse. I would have loved to be there when Jesus now takes Holy Scripture, the Old Testament, and begins to go through it piece by piece and and for them to see 
that this one that was to come, this one that would be the Messiah, this one who would be the King of kings and Lord of lords, this who would be Israel's ruler, this is the one who would rule the universe. He's, he, he's coming. And the Old Testament told about all of the problems and issues that they'd have to go through. It's fascinating to see and to think. They were confused. They... They, were, they didn't get it. And, and they listened intently to him, not realizing he was there. A number of, a number of years ago, I went with a group of uh, businessmen uh, from uh, my church to a, a conference for Christian business people. And um, one, of the, one of the guys was really interested in hearing Ken Blanchard, who was a, you know, a leadership guru and a business guru, and he was going to be one of the, the key speakers. And uh, I was hanging out with some guys who get on floors of hotels that I don't get on. It doesn't stop for me there. And it, they had their own dining room for breakfast, and so we were there, and this other guy sat with us and we were talking and uh, one, one of my friends was, was saying, um, yeah, I'm really excited about hearing Ken Blanchard and, and uh, it, talking about Ken Blanchard this and Ken Blanchard that. And finally, I, I looked at the guy and I said to him, are you Ken Blanchard? And he said, yep. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Here he was sitting there right beside us, talking to us. And we didn't realize that that was him. And that was like these guys. They're right there with Jesus. But they don't realize that he's there. Well, it's interesting. Because God did something. They arrived at their destination. And when they got there... Uh, Jesus acted like he was going to keep going on the journey. And they said, no, please, please, come and stay and eat with us. And, and something wonderful happened as he did that. He, he, he went to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he began to give it to them. And listen to what it says. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. That was Jesus all along. It, it was Jesus. And, and there was something in that when he took that bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, that God gave them insight and understanding immediately. They recognized this is Jesus who's been with us. And just as they come to the realization of that, poof, he's gone. It's incredible. You see, you can't understand Jesus. You can't know Jesus if he doesn't reveal himself to you. You can be here and you, you could want to understand him and want to believe in him, but, but unless he opens your eyes, you can't recognize all of that. And in an instant, they do. You can't see Jesus unless he reveals himself to you. It requires God opening your eyes and opening your understanding that the Apostle Paul would pray this way in Ephesians 1. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. He said, I pray that God would give you insight that you could see and understand and comprehend. You wonder, how, how do you understand Jesus? Jesus has to make himself known to you. 
The Apostle Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, he would say, For God, who said, Let the light shine out of darkness, made his light to shine in our own hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You can't understand him, you can't comprehend him, you can't know him, unless he shines that light into your heart and shows you himself. And what he used was Holy Scripture. You say, why do you read the Bible in this church? Why do, you, why do you focus? Why do we have this reading program we've done over the last month and a half? Why do, why do we talk about the Bible? Because in the Bible, we are, we're shown Christ. And, and what he would say in verse 45, when he talked, when they got back with all the rest of the uh, disciples there, he opened their mind so they could understand the Scripture. They reflected on Jesus' teaching as they listened to something that was happening. And, and, and here, here's, what, here's what they said when Jesus left them. They asked each other this. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked on the road and opened the scripture to us? Do you remember when he was talking and he was going through those scriptures? What, what did you feel? Man, he said it was something. My heart was burning. There was something in me, this stirring. There was something that was affirming that this is true, this is right, this is good. And, and, and something is happening inside me. That's God opening somebody's heart and understanding, stirring them, giving them a conviction of the truthfulness about it, exciting them with that truth, that, that, that see that, that, that would move them to respond to it. I wish I could do that for people. I can't. I'm helpless in that way. All I can do is ask God to do that for someone. That they would hear Holy Scripture. They would understand who He is. And they would open their hearts and minds to Him. You see, He's alive. And because He's alive, hope is alive. And, and despondency dissipates. Jesus is alive. Oh, we saw the failure, the failure of the cross. We thought, this is all over. It's done. We're despondent. But that failure became fulfillment because God promised and had many, many promises of what would happen. And God fulfilled those promises. He made those prophecies come true. He enacted his will. And absence becomes presence. And here is Jesus with them. And God's plan was fulfilled as Jesus died on the cross to take the punishment and endure the wrath of God that is ours because of our rejection of Him. The hopelessness. But hopelessness gave way to hope when Jesus died and at, at, at just before He breathed His last, He said, paid in full. It is finished. It's done. I've done everything I need to do. And hopelessness would give, away, give way to hope. And people are searching for hope today. All of us are looking for hope. We're looking for something more, something better. Advertisers know how to, to uh, uh, appeal to us, to sell us on hope. Medically, we're looking for hope. We had a family member who uh, succumbed to cancer two years ago. And uh, he heard about a clinic in, uh, in Arizona and this clinic promised and held out hope for him that we have special treatments that you can't get in other places. And, and he went and he spent tens of thousands of dollars and tens of thousands of dollars 
only to die. He had hope. He was looking for hope medically. Uh, people look, are looking for hope in technology. Something to make life easier or better or to make it right. And people are looking in, to knowledge and education. They can improve our lives. If we just understood more, if we had more education, if people comprehended what's good and right and, and what's not. They, they would behave properly, and, and so we pin our, we, we hitch our wagon to that, or, or economics. The problem is we don't have enough money, and there's, there's an inequity in terms of what people have. And if we all had enough money, and we could all be satisfied that way, it would be fine. And we're looking to economics and money and things. And then politicians. They promise us, if you put me in office... I'll make your life better. I'll improve your life. You'll have opportunity. You'll have jobs. You'll have education. You'll have security. You'll have health care. You'll have finances. If you just put your trust and hope in me. And we know how that works. Because none of that works. Because it doesn't deal with the heart of our problem. And the heart of our problem is our relationship with God. And that relationship has been broken And that relationship has been destroyed so that we're in a hostile relationship with God, shaking our fist in His face. And the Apostle Paul would say the whole creation groans. It's not just us. The whole creation, even inanimate creation, is groaning, waiting for Jesus Christ to come back and bring hope. Weather patterns, agriculture, the animal kingdom... Sickness, disease, mental health, relationship issues, personal, material, national, tribal. And there's an enemy that we haven't been able to take care of. And what the scripture told us is this in 1 Corinthians 15 and 26, that the last enemy is death. And none of us gets away with that. But Jesus died in our place. And God verified that he accepted what Jesus did when he raised him from the dead. If that didn't happen, we would have nothing. He proved that he accepted that sacrifice by raising his son from the dead. And the only legitimate hope that we can have or find is Jesus. In his life, his death, His resurrection, He sealed it. And beyond that is no hope. Hope is only in Him. And the Apostle Paul would speak pretty frankly about this whole thing. He said this, If Christ isn't risen, then what I'm doing, standing up here, talking to you about this, is absolutely worthless. If Christ isn't risen, then, then the faith that we have placed in Him is misplaced, and it's useless, and it's futile. If Christ isn't risen, then we're just a bunch of false witnesses. We're a bunch of liars telling tales that aren't true. If Christ isn't risen, then our sins aren't forgiven. And if our sins aren't forgiven, we're in terrible shape. And if Christ isn't risen, people who died and have gone before us, are lost for eternity. And if Christ isn't risen, we're the most pathetic people going. P 
pity, pitiable. Uh, if, if we've been chasing this, if we've been denying ourselves and, and living our life just to please God when God isn't, isn't even an issue and, and revel, uh, uh, our, our resurrection is no issue, then we're, we're, we're pathetic. We're morons. But thank God that that is not the case. And everything changes because Jesus has risen. Oh, we, we, needed to, we needed to celebrate and thank God for Good Friday. But if we didn't have Sunday, it wouldn't, complete, it wouldn't be complete and that would have been empty. And all this hopelessness gives way to the hope that Jesus was raised from the dead and there's possibility for change and transformation. By his power, he can change and transform your life. Those things that, that, that seem to be hopeless for you. In Ephesians 1, the Apostle Paul would talk about the power that brought Jesus back from the dead being the power that is operational in us. Is that incredible? That the power that took Jesus, who was dead, and resurrected him to a brand new life and would live forever is the, is the power that is operational in our lives by His Spirit. That means there's hope for change. I shared with uh, some of you who were here a few, week, uh, a few weeks back that I, I met a guy in college when I was training for ministry, and I was intrigued by him. He, he would uh, ride a bicycle and pull one of those little chariots behind, and he had a whack of kids, uh, maybe five or six kids, something like that. And I got to know him, and I found out his story. He was, he was an outlaw biker. He was a bad dude. He was a guy who was immoral in every way. And uh, he was at a hotel, and a Bible dropped from a shelf. And he looked at it, and it said, take me. So he threw it in his bag, took it home, tossed it at his wife. And he said, here, don't tell me I never give you anything. Okay, that's a bad guy thing. Uh, she actually started reading it, and after a year, he decided to pick it up. He picked it up and started reading. And what he did was, he, he found that when he was in school, if he wanted to study something, to study something, he found it best if he would write it out. He began to read the Bible and write it out. He wrote out the whole Bible on foolscap. It was about this high, both sides, handwritten. He said, after he'd been going at this for a while, something was happening inside. Something was happening that happened to these guys. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Wasn't there, wasn't, did you feel that? I felt that. Did you feel when you heard the word of God and he listened to the word of God and he came under conviction that the life he lived was such a horrible life and that he had no standing before God. And at times he, he took that and, and he got down on his knees and cried out to God for mercy. And God transformed his life by the power of the resurrected Christ through the word of God. And he is a pastor. He goes in and has a prison ministry. He gets called on by, uh, by outlaw biker gangs to do funerals for them. They invite him in. And, and, and God changed his life. But he only can change because 
the hope we have for change is in Jesus being raised from the dead and having victory over death. And death is not the end. And the enemy cannot prevail. And Satan, who was rubbing his hands with glee on Good Friday when they saw when he saw Jesus tortured and taken down from that cross, is nowhere now in the presence of the victorious Savior. And so we celebrate and rejoice with this. Sunday, it was all defeated. The victory was ours. Have you met the risen Lord? Has he opened your heart? Has he caused the word of God to burn in you and and to give you a sense of confidence that that this is true and this is right and, and you open your heart to him and he reveals himself to you? Has he warmed your heart? Is he warming your heart this morning? Is he stirring your heart? You're saying, I'm kind of confused. I I have these feelings within me and there's just something. I'm just taken with this and and what Jesus did. Well, if, if that's happening, God is maybe opening you up, opening your heart and your understanding. And I said, I can't do that for you. All I can do is pray for you that God would show himself to you. Are you open to that? Would you, would you seek him? And I pray that God would open our eyes and help us see. And if you're not yet a believer, and maybe all of this is new to you, my prayer is that you would take some time to investigate it. The, the disciples were investigating the whole thing with Jesus. They didn't know what was going on. They went on a, on a search, on a quest investigating and if that's the case i want you to know that we're here to help you in that journey to talk with you to share with you to interact with you you know some this this message is uh very personal to me and and if you indulge me just for a moment um my mom passed away on wednesday of this past week and uh a tough Tough time for us as a family as we watched her health being compromised physically and mentally. As we saw her slipping away from us, unable to arrest that. On Wednesday, she quietly slipped into the presence of the Lord. She knew God. She would pray in hospital, and even when her mind was not totally clear, I'd say, Mom, let's pray. I'd take her hand and we would pray and she was right with me somehow. And for us, it's, uh, this is a very personal message because the hope we have is in Jesus Christ. The hope that we have in our brokenheartedness is that our mom is with Christ, which is far better. And we'll come this week and and we'll lay her body to rest. And as a family, we'll gather and there'll probably be some tears. But there's going to be a whole lot of defiance. The defiance that this is not the end. And the enemy did not win. And, and, And just when the enemy and death tried to grab my mother, she went into the arms of Jesus And her body will lay in the ground. And and she will be raised to a new life. 
And all of us who know and love and serve Jesus Christ will share that together. So there'll be defiance. And we'll say with the Apostle Paul, Where, O death, is your victory? This is no victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Do you have that victory? Do you know that? That's our prayer for you, is that you would come to realize how much that Savior loved you. How he poured his life out for you. And he holds his hands wide open to you, inviting you to come to him, to come and find forgiveness and grace, to come and be a part of his family, to live eternally with him, to have him him guide and direct your life, and ultimately to be with him forever. Well, that's my prayer for you. And uh, after we conclude the service, we, as we do, we'll have some people up here um, who'll be happy to pray with you. If you've got some issues or something that's bothering you, they'd be happy to pray for you. Uh, if you want to talk about some of this, someone would be happy to talk to you. Uh, and our prayer is that God would open us up, reveal himself, his son Jesus to us, and that we would turn our hearts to him that we'd put our faith and trust in what he did for us. One of the saddest thing is unrequited love. When God went to that extent to send his son, and we would just say, I, I don't care, I'm not interested. Thanks, but no thanks. He loves us that much, and my prayer is that uh, you would open your heart to that love and that grace. Oh, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for victory that's ours. Thank you for what you have done for us in Christ. Lord Jesus, you gave it all for us. And you rose from the dead. And we are so grateful that the Father accepted what you did on our behalf and we put our trust in you. And Father, I pray that you would just draw people in this auditorium this morning, draw them to yourself. Only you can do that. Open their eyes Cause their hearts to burn with passion and desire. Father, we just commit ourselves to you and thank you for your grace and your kindness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.